Listeners, and welcome aboard Costume Station Zero for another special Doctor Who cutaway episode with Mr. Kevin Kittredge. It's always nice to be here. Thank you. Um, so, Kevin and I had a good time discussing the merits or demerits of uh, Doctor Who Series 7A and 7B uh, back on episode 36B for anyone who wishes to listen to it. Uh, and we decided we're going to do a little more of that. We're going to at least uh, go sort of backward. So that means we're here to discuss the episodes of Series 6. Uh, the Impossible Astronaut through the Doctor, the Widow, and the Wardrobe. So, Kevin. Well, tell you what, uh, this is a perfect opportunity f- to throw my plug in. I do another podcast with my friend Ralph. It's called All Right, Let's Do a Podcast. Mm-hmm. And each week we assign each other homework. Uh, for the other, because we all we both like nerd things, and we but they're different. So I have him watch a lot of Doctor Who. He has me watch a lot of James Bond and comic book stuff. Mm-hmm. And recently we did. I had him watch The Impossible Astronaut and Day of the Moon, okay, which fits in very nicely. Yes, here. it does. Uh, I will point out that while I am often critical of a lot of the new series stuff, one thing that I am perfectly fine with that a lot of people seem to really not like. I like River Song. Mm-hmm. I like her story, and it seems very contradictory because I don't. I I was very upset with the idea of the Doctor uh, hooking up with Rose, so to speak, because she's like nineteen. Mm-hmm. Now River, as far as we know, at especially at the beginning here, she's what like early forties. Not that much of a difference when you consider that he's like 900 and oh right and that. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, it works for me. Mm-hmm. She's more mature. Mm-hmm. So that's something that, like I say, it's it's different that I like that I know that you're not a huge fan of. And mm-hmm. a lot of people really don't like River Song. And I think that is unjust frustration. But Interesting. I, I will let you continue with us uh i'll i'll hold major river comments as we get into the episodes and we'll have to have a discussion about the overall arc of season six uh at the uh, at the end of this but let's uh focus for the moment on impossible astronaut day of the moon now here's the thing i remember when this came out uh about what three years ago now oh time flies and um and what a I mean, big hype deal this was because I remember uh, they made a big deal about filming in the U.S., you know, uh, Utah and all that. Uh, This is also the last season we had Doctor Who Confidential to kind of help promote things and show the various antics the actors were getting into on set. Um, This was the point that you could kind of feel that, though, because Confidential had turned into a 45-minute program to tell you about the making of that episode, and it almost didn't sustain it. it what happened before was it was a 30-minute program when it started, and they would at least devote maybe a good five to ten minutes to classic Who of 
here's a little prep on Classic Who, and if, if a monster was coming back, here's a little thing about how they started. You know, it was kind of nice to connect to the history. And I think the first Confidentials were actually, like, a number of specials before the show came back. They weren't technically Confidentials, but yes, they, they had yeah, they had okay. two sort of specials that were light Confidential. I thought there was a special, you. like, for each Doctor. I thought there was a bunch. Well, are you talking about the Doctors Revisited from BBC America? No, 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 that was after. Okay. Yeah. No, no, it wasn't on each Doctor. I mean, yeah, it had a segment on each Doctor, but it wasn't okay. a special on each one. Yeah, I remember I had both of those, too. But speaking cool. of the hype, this, yeah. is, this is a huge issue that I have with Mr. Moffat, that in the interviews before this, he was like, he was saying... Somebody dies. One of those four dies. The Doctor, Rose, Rory. The Doctor, Amy, Rory, or River Song. One of them dies. No tricks. No jokes. Uh, one of them dies full stop. And I think we all know that didn't happen. Yeah. that's Yeah, it's still a trick. Yeah. Um, and what is it they say? Oh, Moffat lies. And why? I'm like, well, yeah, it's true. But why do that? Yeah. Why do that? Why not just say it's going to be a lot of fun? Yeah. Yeah, and just play cryptic, which I think is better than outright lying. But I guess they feel like in today's internet world where it's all about spoilers, it's better to just lie about something and then go, ha, than, than to uh, be cryptic and let people uh, speculate. But anyways, so I'm I'm of two minds about this, this particular episode. I mean, I'm talking about Impossible Astronaut and Day of the Moon kind of together because yes. they are a two-parter. Um, interestingly, this season was the last season that included two-parters for the time being. We'll see if Capaldi changes that. Um, and, uh, I, I really like part one. I really enjoyed part one. Me too. I did not like part two nearly as much as part one. I thought part two was a major disappointment. Um, so, uh, I, but I remember when it came on, I watched it with a group of people. We were having a big marathon day with a bunch of other TV stuff and, uh, I was I was starting to really dig this one. I I, I love the '60s setting. I, I love uh, the weird mystery of uh, the Doctor supposedly dying. We'll go with the idea at the time that we bought that, but I think we all knew that. Come on, he's not really gonna. If he really dies, we don't have a show. So come on. I mean, we didn't. Th- we didn't think. I think we. I think we still. I didn't believe him. I still right. didn't believe him, even with all of his yes. emphasis. Yes. So, but yeah. that's the problem of killing the doctor. You could kill the others, and you might have bought it. But with the doctor, you're like, well, come on. But still, interesting, and it had the cool visuals and astronaut in the lake, and, and the silence were a really cool villain. They looked great. They seemed very formidable, and uh, <laughs> I loved the cliffhanger. The cliffhanger was one of those ones where I'm like, well, I got to see what happens next. I mean, it had that whole thing where. Uh, River and uh, Rory were attacked by the silence, and the little girl comes out in the astronaut suit. Amy freaks out. She shoots the little girl. Doesn't know who the little girl is. It's great. I, it, I mean, everything kind of escalated nicely, um, and then it all kind of falls apart in part two. But um, yeah, I, uh, I, I remember really digging the, the the setup for this episode. I thought the the tone was cool. Um, I even liked all the stuff in the Oval Office. It was a little, you know, cheesy, but you know, fun. Definitely. I like the, the River Maker Blue. River okay. Maker Blue, yeah. Which is, I mean, so Ralph is watching this for yeah. his first time. He yeah. doesn't watch a whole lot of Doctor Who, but I'm right. having him do it. And he's like, okay, so the, the TARDIS is invisible. And they throw in the line, uh, it really drains the power. 
That's why we don't always do this because right. it would be really helpful. It to would do that. be very helpful to do it all the in time. the past yes. forty-seven years of yeah. Doctor Who. I, I'm glad they threw that in. That was nice. <laughs> nice. See, that's an acceptable retcon. I feel, um, and the because uh, I mean, the few other times it's done it, um, like in uh, the invasion or something like that. You know, it's like it's neat when it does, but it's always like something special. Like, ooh, it's invisible now. Um, but anyway, yeah. So I thought that was neat. I liked um, all of that. The um, what was the episode where River was saying you're flying the TARDIS wrong and it should make the noise, but that's the brakes? Was that in, that was in season five, wasn't it? Pretty sure that was Time of Angels. I don't remember. I'm pretty sure it was. Anyways, um, uh, but I really liked uh, the uh, just the setup, the mystery, and you know it. I was and because Moffat had delivered such good stuff with uh, Blink and Girl in the Fireplace, I was just ready to go. Okay, Moffat. Some of this is a little weird, but I'm intrigued. How are you going to pay all this off? Where are we going with this? And then we got Day of the Moon. And now, first of all, also introducing Mark Shepard as uh, Canton Everett Delaware. Yes. Uh, he's great. He's great. And yeah. uh, nerd, uh, pretty much a nerd icon these days. Mm -hmm. Battlestar, obviously, uh, mm -hmm. Firefly. Right, right. Supernatural, he's right. huge in. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's fun to see him make the rounds. Absolutely. No, he, he plays a fun part in it. Um, I, uh, I, what was it? He uh, makes the comment about, uh, how long has Scotland Yard had this technology? <laughs> Which yes. I was very nice. And, uh, his, the older version of him played by his dad, mm -hmm. who in Hollywood, I'm subscribed to a number of, uh, acting website, what have you's. And I frequently get the, the email that, uh, what's it, which, which, she what's Shepard, what's his first name? Um, Anyway, whatever his name is, he's always he's doing a class. He, mm -hmm. You can take a class from him in Hollywood. I get that a lot. Morgan. Sorry. Morgan, there you go. Thank you. Yeah, it took me a second, but I got there in the end. Uh, yeah, no, that's awesome. That's really cool. Um, and I know that they have a fun time at Gallifrey every time they visit. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I um, what 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 was uh, Ralph's overall impression of this story? Not he, being a fan, he liked he liked it. He likes the space stuff mm -hmm. more than the historical stuff. Mm -hmm. And even though it seemed that it was going to be more of a space one by that, by the names, mm -hmm. uh, and it was less. So he, he liked the silence. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, he dug it. So I, I didn't feel bad assigning it to him. Okay. Now I'm always curious to, to see a, a complete newbie's take, especially when you, you, you see it out of context. You're just seeing this one story instead of out of, you know, the whole run of Matt Smith. Um, yeah, uh, Day of the Moon uh, disappointed me because we... Here's my thing about the way some of the storytelling has gone in recent Who, and I feel like Moffat suffers from this big time. There's a lot of great ideas. There's a lot of fun images and cool ideas and intriguing things, but I feel like they're thrown out kind of brainstorm-wise, and they're not really properly thought out as to how you really arrive at an astronaut in a lake. Yeah. Or how you really arrive at, hey, a bunch of federal agents are chasing Amy, and they seem to kill her. Yeah. And it's like, but we don't seem to organically figure out how to arrive at these things. They're just kind of, here they are. And just accept it. And I'm not a big fan of that. Well, I'm all right, I'm all right with, the, was it Amy? Did, I remember Rory got chased down by agents. Yeah, he was chased down in the dam. Rory was, or sorry, Amy was chased down in the desert. And that's where uh, it opens. Yeah. And then the doctor's already captured in Area 51, which I thought was cool. These are all neat ideas and neat images. And it's frustrating that I just feel like sometimes these are not earned. And that, that, that to me, is not 
adequate storytelling. You can occasionally cheat and do that. I just feel like they do it too much. So it feels like you're almost getting a lengthy trailer to a story than the story itself. I agree. Yeah. Um, so the other big thing that bugs me is I'm okay. I'm a traditional Doctor Who fan. And if I see a cliffhanger, you know what I want to see in the next episode right away? Minute one. You know what I want to see? What happened to what we just saw? Yeah. I want to see the resolution of that cliffhanger. <laughs> And, and instead, we're thrown into, I think they've sped ahead a few months, we get the, the, the whole fake out with the, the deaths of Amy and Rory, but they're not. And then, um, when we do flashback to see how they got out of it, it's terribly convenient. It's just, oh, we just came out of the hole, and oh, I guess... Well, like, we... like with Amy, it's like, oh, so uh, so you shot at that girl, huh? Yeah. Yeah, didn't know... Uh, uh, luckily, it didn't uh, kill her. Right, right. Luckily. That was some crazy stuff that happened oh. at the end of the last episode, wasn't it? Yeah. Very weak. But that was months ago. Yeah. Oh, it was, it was, I was very disappointed with it. Because that was a great cliffhanger. I was like, all right, I want to see what happens then. What's up with the little girl? Are they going to talk to her? Is she going to die? How do they escape the silence? Because they look pretty formidable. Like, how do you escape these weird guys that throws lightning bolts at you? I don't know. I may have mentioned this to you before. There's a movie called High Strung. Uh-huh. It's about a guy who sits around his house, his apartment all day, just gripes about everything under the sun. Mm-hmm. And one thing that hits him was, you know what I don't like? When I'm watching soap operas and... Someone walks into the room, and someone's sitting on the couch and says, oh, Mark? <laughs> dun, dun, dun. And then they come back and come in from commercial. Oh, Mark, what happened to the big reveal? <laughs> it's completely lost. Yeah, it's uh, tricks of television. But this, to me, was... It, I think what disappoints me more is... Moffat did a very good job of resolving his cliffhangers in uh, Empty Child and Silence in the Library. Um, very well thought out. I thought, here's here's what we pick up and here's how we resolve it and here's how we move on. And he totally drops the ball on Day of the Moon, which sucks because I, thought, I, I felt it deserved a proper, here's what we pick up, here's where we go on. And we could have still had the other scenes. I understand he wanted that shock value of, hey, and we open and what's going on and why are they running? And yeah, he's playing a lot with storytelling. But anyway, um, so the silence, they never really even fully explain their agenda. Like, they're, they've supposedly been on Earth all this time, and they've been guiding human technology to somehow get us to build a spacecraft in the space race, even though they seem to have all this cool technology in weird buried rooms and stuff, or in rooms like above Craig and the Lodger, uh, with these weird TARDIS-looking console-y things. Um, so you assume they already have technology. So why in the world are they pushing? This is just not explained. It's just, oh, they're just bad. And now it's not explained here, but mm-hmm. they do, don't they touch on it at, at the end of this, at the end of the series of at the end Smith's of the run? I know that, I mean, I know if you plug in time of the doctor and, and wedding, it starts to make sense. Your Although silence not, is speaking but, <laughs> great bounds here. But uh, even I'm sitting here as a fan going like, okay, wait, what was the reasoning for this again? What, what, was, what was the reason we went on this journey again? Uh, for me, this is, this is the, the deal for me. Mm-hmm. So many of these little things that, oh, yeah, I need a, that's going to be interesting to find out how that happens. Yeah. That's going to be interesting. Yeah. And they yeah. all build up. And they're all kind of like either not explained or just fluffed over with a couple of lines yeah. where I just stop caring. Right, right. And that's, to me, the mark of a not good writer. And I know that Moffat's a I'm Kevin Kittredge. I've been watching Doctor Who since 85. Right. 
I should care yeah. about these things. Yes, but yes. I'm at the yeah, all right. Whatever. Well, you know, after rewatch, show me, show me some Tardis. <laughs> Did you give me some Randalls? Did I get some Randalls? Get some Randalls. <laughs> give me some blinking lights. Is is there is there a pretty girl as a companion in this one? All right, good. I'm all right. Now, uh, after rewatching a lot of classic mm-hmm. Doctor Who recently, uh, it's made me reappreciate that style of storytelling. I understand you can't completely go back to it because it's very slow by today's standards, but I appreciate a story that has a solid beginning, middle, end, and things are generally explained. Even if things are weakly explained, at least they're very well signposted. Like, this is this is the villain's plan. This is why we have to stop him, and we stop him. Like, and I'm all right with a season arc. Mm-hmm. I think those can be fun. Mm-hmm. And I think even multiple season arcs, as long as you do concretely... Yes. take care of it that's it instead of a little fluffy line a little gloss over like you make a you make a proper point of the big points that's a, yes exactly and um especially when it's something that you're harking back to from a previous season because you know you got to kind of remind viewers a little bit like hey i know it's been like a year but this is why this was important and i i agree it'd be nice to this is this is a cutaway here of of our cutaway episode but i felt last week like i was in a TV show. And I'll tell you why. Okay. Because I was selling my car mm-hmm. and I couldn't find the insurance. Mm-hmm. Or, no, not that I couldn't find the title. Oh, right. Yeah. And I knew that I had it. I had all my important documents in two folders that I had under the television. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you never see that shit because you don't care about it. Right, it's right. just important papers in general. Right. And so finally, I'm like, all right, I'm going to open up that envelope and get yeah. that title. And yeah. I, look, I can't find even the two envelopes. Mm-hmm. So I'm freaking out. Mm-hmm. So for like two to three hours, uh, it was a couple days ago, actually, couple, two, three hours, I'm looking everywhere and I can't find it. And I'm flipping through old envelopes and old paperwork that I, and I start reminiscing. Mm-hmm. You look through all those old photos and whatnot. And I find a couple of small, tiny envelopes. That are way, way thin. Clearly not the paperwork that I put everything in. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, what pictures are in here? And I found the title. Mm-hmm. Nowhere that it's supposed to be. Right. So a big part of me is like, all right, all my problems are taken care of. I have this title. Bloop, bloop, bloop. And I walk away. But meanwhile, there's a shit ton of important papers that I'm going to need someday. Right. And if this is the TV show where I walk away out of that room, the camera will follow to wherever this stuff really is mm-hmm. that I'm going to need. Mm-hmm. I was in a television show. Right. That you're still blissfully unaware of that will come to bite you in the butt like in the season finale. Yeah, everything's fine right now until I need whatever else is in there. <laughs> yeah, I, I understand that. It's the classic. You find stuff when you're not looking for it. Um, yeah. Because yeah. if I hadn't been reminiscing, yep. it's like, what what pictures are in here? I'd be totally screwed. Mm-hmm. No, I, I've, I've found that many, many times. So what else did we miss? What else did we not get an explanation for? We didn't find out why these guys need these TARDIS consoles, the silence. Well, why they... Well, what exactly their whole whole plan was. I know that they were ended up being related to that church at the end of Time of the Doctor, and they ended up also being a rogue faction, <sighs> and um, but even setting that aside, you know, you assume that these guys there there was this implication that they'd been around for a long time. They were this very formidable enemy. Although in that case, if you go with that, there is that larger Who fan part of me going, well, if they've been around all this time, how come a previous Doctor who goes to Earth all the time never ran into them before? Like how? Why is that? Because that, that gets tricky when you start trying to retcon things that massively. And speaking of retconning, yeah. let's go back to the 11th hour. 
Okay. The doctor's talking to this big, scary-looking, snake-looking thing. Yeah. And the snake-looking thing threateningly says to the doctor, silence will fall. Right. Okay, so we found the silence. Mm-hmm. They're bad guys. Mm-hmm. The silence will fall. Mm-hmm. So the bad guys are going to lose. Or it's their cry of saying, you know, you are going to fall and we are going to cause it. No, he said silence will fall. No, I know. I'm just giving you another interpretation. What do you mean? Say it again. <laughs> that that we are going to cause you to fall and we are the cause of your of your downfall, so to speak. But, but what do you mean you? He's, he's you saying meaning, it to the doctor. Yeah, so you mean the doctor. But he's saying silence will fall. Right. Silence will fall, Bob. Or think of it like the silence will fall on you. But he doesn't say on you. He says silence will fall. I know. I'm not, look. I'm playing devil's advocate. I understand exactly we're, what you're we're saying. We're the audience. We're thinking silence will fall. The whole universe is going to be right. silent. We're going to be quiet. What? Yeah. Are we all going to be dead? What does it mean? And, That's terrible. And remember, it's it's heard in um, Big Bang before his TARDIS explodes. Because yeah. that had something to do. Because we never really found out why the TARDIS exploded. We still we never really find out till time of the Doctor. But instead, it was ah these bad guys are going to come. You're not going to remember who they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, scary. Yeah. Thanks I mean, for telling me, Snake. Yeah, yeah. I know. I know. It's it, it's it's another one of those things where it's Moffat hype and the delivery is not quite up to the hype. Silence will fall. That sounds terrifying. It does sound terrifying. Yeah, it catch you all intrigued for a year and then suddenly you see him. But okay, so in Day of the Moon, um, uh, you, you do have the... I did think it was very effective having the whole thing where they, they mark each other. You know, they have those weird marks to, to prove if you've seen a silence. And... Cosplayers went crazy. Yes, cosplayers went nuts for marking themselves up as Amy, Rory, or even whoever to be, you know, as if you've seen a silent. That's great. It's cheap cosplay. Uh, and then the the weird little recorder they have in the palm of their hand. I mean, these are things that, like, they play well on TV. They're good visual. I, I see why they did it. Um, it's just another example of, okay, that bit's kind of nice. And, okay, we're going to connect it somehow to the, the moon landing. And we're going to have everyone watching the moon landing. And they're going to use the silence against them because through the TV we use this recording of the silence telling everyone to kill themselves. Or kill the silence, sorry. So, all right. That's kind of neat. I like the whole turning a villain's you know strength against them. That's neat. Uh, I'm with a lot of people at the time that that's a little problematic. Because you just turn the human race into murderers. Um of these creatures, which okay, well, they, I, listen, I, you're right, but you know when when the guy when the silent says you should kill us on sight, yeah. jerks, yeah, all right then, <laughs> right, right, it's it's problematic because look, they're not good guys, and yeah, they should be taken out. But the other thing too is okay, they kill him, but then when you turn around, that means you got a dead alien there that you're not gonna remember. clean up. Yeah, are you gonna? Are there gonna be a lot of dead silences around? What, was I walking down the street today and I saw a couple of silent bodies and yeah. I went to myself, "Oh my god, that's terribly gross!" And did I keep walking and not remember it? Well, the, yeah, you go to like clean it up or tell someone, and then suddenly you're like, "I can't." Remember. Oh well, let's go get pizza. That's, that's, <laughs> what, that's what you're gonna do. <laughs> I guess hopefully you'd have some kind of a unit or torchwood to uh, step in and uh, help clean all that up. You'd hope. Well, it was the sixties. Yeah, actually, you don't know. You don't have well. You don't really have unit in the '60s, technically. Hmm. Torchwood, maybe. I guess. I don't know. This now gets. It's a whole other thing. That obviously, they they just want the fans like us to to worry about. Um. Anyway, yeah. So I I I had issues with all of that and the uh the the whole river realizing their first kiss, last kiss thing and all that. But again, this gets into the river thing. That I the more we saw river, the less I cared about her. So. 
I was like, oh, great, it's your last kiss. Well, you know, whatever, yay. And I'm sorry, I don't care. That's very sad for her. It is very sad for her. You're right. It is. Eh, whatever. I, uh, so basically, my overall rating would be, uh, like, I would probably rate Impossible Astronaut, like, a solid... I mean, I really liked it. I'd give it, like, a 9. But I'd give David Moon, like, a 4. Like, that's how much I was disappointed. So they come together at, like, a 6.5 for the whole story. I forget that you want to rate these things. Yeah. Uh, I'll go in with a nine, and I'll go with a six for Day of the Moon. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the overall story equals that to, I guess, seven and a half. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now we move on to Curse of the Black Spot because I thought there was a lot of fun in that first one. Yeah, no, no, I liked the I liked the first episode a lot. It's just I expected better better answers and follow through. That's all. Curse of the Black Spot I found to be tremendously boring. Mm-hmm. Just boring. Boring. Okay. All right. That's it. That's your Kevin's review. Personal Black Spot. Tremendously boring. I don't think I watched. I think I probably watched it twice, just because I had to. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no good. No good. Tell me what you liked about it, and I'll yeah, tell you why. There's you're a wrong. lot of people I know who hate this one, and I don't hate it. I I I consider it by the numbers Doctor Who, um, which doesn't mean it's exceptional, but I would probably give it like a six. Um, and the reason is because um, it's it still gives you the basic tropes that I like. You're on a historical setting. You have something that appears supernatural, but of course it's Doctor Who. It turns out to be science fictional. And you have a nice twist at the end where we no longer are on a pirate ship or on a spaceship. And I dig all that. That to me is pure Doctor Who. That is that is main, main Doctor Who right there. So um, I like that. Where it does fall apart is, again, some of the logic, and um, there's a couple of parts I know with editing where two of the pirates uh, disappear, like we assume that they're taken, but we don't, we don't see what happens to them. Um, and then you also have the fact that that whole thing with Rory at the end, I just hate. Oh, is that where he gets pulled into the he, crack? He's, yeah, he's pulling, mm-hmm. he's almost drowned, and they have him there, and then to save him, they have to basically do CPR on him and hope it works, and it does. But it's this whole thing where, and keep in mind, by this point, we've been through season five. I feel like Rory has either died or almost died a handful of times already. By this point, it's losing impact. It's like, how many times are you going to kill this guy? Right. And because technically, I think he was dead for like a minute before they, they revived him. And so I, that whole scene to me just felt overdone you know overcooked we don't need it like why is this even here uh so you're right i didn't care for that but i really do like the whole idea that they go into hyperspace on the spaceship to me was right out of stones of blood and stones of blood is one of my favorite tom baker's stories so if a story is reminding me of a story i like guess what it ends it ends another point right I'm, I'm sorry just by going into hyperspace yeah yeah that's well that's why the the two coexisted why the spaceship and the and the pirate ship coexisted in the same spot, and they woke up on the on the spaceship later, much like in Stones of Blood, where the hyperspace ship is coexisting in the same spot as the uh, the Stonehenge Circle. Okay. I, I feel like I'm the only one who who connects this to Stones of Blood. And no, you're probably right. Like, yeah, okay, whatever. But I mean, when it just when it comes down to it, it's still a show, a, a story that I don't care about. Um, that and uh, I, I, I want to see a good Doctor Who pirate story. I like pirates. I like Doctor Who. I think there should automatically be a good pirate story. And you're right. This one isn't quite it. It's uh, it's it's 
I don't know. It's watchable. I don't hate it. I don't think it's the worst the show got. It's not Love and Monsters, Kevin. Well, that's in a category all its own, right? But um, but yeah, no, I and uh, it, but you're right. The uh, the the black spot itself seemed a bit strange. And oh, I will tell you something that didn't bug me about this. Now that I'm now that I'm really remembering the episode, um, we have the Doctor constantly kind of making these assumptions about what the creature is after or, or how it manifests. You know, remember uh, for a while it was all about, you know, it's going to come out of uh, water. So we have to, we have to be, you know, pretend that we have to keep in very, very dry areas. And then it turned out, no, it can come out of anything polished, any kind of metal. Remember? Yeah. So he's constantly revising his theory. And this becomes problematic because we're in an age now where the doctor's sort of becoming much more like Sylvester McCoy was toward the end of his run where he sort of like knows everything. And yet I, I do miss a doctor that has to kind of wing it and figure things out. But this kind of winging it kind of bugged me because just when I'm going like, all right, that's the rule. Got it. This, this is what they have to look out for. Oh no, wait, it's wrong. This is the rule. And they did this like three times and I'm like, okay, now I'm just irritated. You're right when you, you can't overdo that. Mm-hmm. But I think I think it's fine once. Yeah, once. Once or okay. or or something where you're adjusting the theory, and I felt like they pushed that a little bit. Where I'm like, I okay. Unless like, the third one is just for comic effect. Well, I guess. Which it probably wasn't. But I, that was something that, that bugged me a little bit, a little bit. Not it wouldn't have like completely ruined the story, no, and obviously it didn't for me. But it that was something I remember that kind of that kind of bothered me, and then the. Um, and then, of course, the imagery in the ship, I remember, was a lot like the movie Coma, and that's another movie I like a lot. So I think it's probably by association with other things that I like that I tend to elevate this one higher than a lot of people. Because you're right, most people I know would probably rate this like a three. I was just going to say, if you gave Day of the Moon a four, yeah. I'm giving this one a three. And I'm giving Because Day of the Moon was better than that. No, the disappointment factor just brings it down. Sorry. You're right. You're right. On a, if, if I could look at it completely on its own, you're probably right. But the disappointment from part one was too harsh. And Curse of the Black Spot, I knew I was in for just a cheesy pirate adventure. And and there you have it. So I, I would give it... I would still stick with my six with Curse of the Black Spot. Yeah. Um, and what's her name? The, uh, the siren was pretty cute. So there you go. There's another, there's another point. Sure. Oh, my God. All right. Fine. Never mind. Um, so... Uh, any other thoughts on this before we move on? Uh, no, I've ejected all thoughts of this show from my Jeez, brain. Goodness God. All right. Well, there we have it. So on to much better pastures with the doctor's wife. Yeah, man. This was quite good. This uh, The whole idea of the TARDIS, we all knew it was sentient. Mm-hmm. And to have it personalized, mm-hmm. uh, pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Neil Gaiman, I think, knocked it out of the park. He wrote a very... What I liked is he explored... <clears throat> something that had kind of been set up in the show but not really explored and that's that's always the nifty stuff that to me is the real the magic of getting into these long-running things um but uh i love the idea of we get the cubes back from the war games yeah we get the idea the doctor's going to meet an old time lord and i kind of wish we had met another time lord but yeah it's that was, something that can still happen hopefully. yeah uh but I, I like the weird uh, weirdness of the, the people on the, I don't know, that I don't know what the hell you call it, the planet or asteroid where they ended up on the outskirts of the universe and uh, this sort of TARDIS junkyard. God, the, the junk TARDIS was fantastic. 
And I admit, I'm happy because we got Randells. We got Randells and the Junk Tardis and the Junk Tardis yeah. uh, created by fans. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That was yeah. The Blue Peter mm-hmm. thing of a Bob. Yeah, but it was it was fun. You can get it as a toy, I believe. So yeah. So I dug that. I I I was totally into the Tardis personified and the conversation she had with the Doctor talking about how he. Uh, but he called it the most beautiful thing he'd ever seen when he first saw the TARDIS in the, the museum, um, or at least as it was implied. And I liked, I love the line where, you know, they're arguing because he's trying to build another TARDIS, and he basically just says, hey, wait a minute, you've never been very reliable. You never take me where I want to go. And the TARDIS replies, no, but I take you where you need to go. And yeah. I thought, that's that to me sums up almost the whole show. That's beautiful right there. Yeah. Um, so very, very well done, Mr. Neil Gaiman. Very well done. Um, and of course we finally, after six years of the new show, finally see more than the console room. Yeah. And, and briefly the wardrobe uh, room. So we finally see corridors, which even I'm going like, how come it took this long to see TARDIS corridors? I miss TARDIS corridors. And we actually get some, some simplified roundels in there. And did you notice they actually reused this set, repainted in Good Man Goes to War? Yeah. Which is something I didn't catch the first time. I caught it like on the second view. I'm like, that's a TARDIS corridor. It's black. Um, One thing I also really liked was the TARDIS always it had something to say to him. Something he wanted to say. And a big part of me was like, he's not going to tell him he love, she loves him, is she? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's stupid. But mm-hmm. it, it's just want to say hi. I thought that was great. Yeah. Just want to say hi. No, some very nice stuff. They, they push the... Uh, the uh, and I understand where it comes from. They did push that sexual metaphor a little bit too much for my liking. The uh, what was it where uh, Amy says, uh, "Oh, the TARDIS is a woman. Did you wish really hard?" And he would just go shut up like a very, um, a very shy schoolboy who, yes, he gets for meaning, but he's trying to be, you know. Um, it's a funny line. It, it's a did funny you try line. Real, did you wish real hard? Mm-hmm. It's funny. I'll give you that. It's just. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna adjust that. It's very funny. It's oh, a great line. That's a good line. Did you wish really hard? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's good. But there's a, there's a number of points like that in the episode where they they push the TARDIS sexual connotation or the TARDIS as a woman that the Doctor really wants to be with. Well, it didn't help that she was the TARDIS was personified by. No, it didn't help. You're right, but somebody hot. Yeah, no, you're right, uh, but I. I guess that it goes back to that whole thing where I'm like, I have always seen the tar- the TARDIS and the Doctor have, yeah, kind of a relationship. It is sort of sentient. It is telepathic. But you push that side and I go, to me, that's just, it's very new series. Like, I don't think we'd have gotten it like this if they had tried a story like this 20 years ago. Um, and there's a part of me that, that, back to that whole, I don't want to see the Doctor get too involved with these, with, with romantic-y things. Right. Even though it's the TARDIS. And it was very well handled. And overall, I can overlook the slight... You know, pushing the boundary there. But you're right. That's my, my little minor probably tick against it. That end, um, I'm sure you heard that when they go back and she has all these rooms stored and they go into the old tenant console room, which was cool. It was cool to see it. I thought that was a neat thing. Uh, that it was great. That Gaiman wrote it to be the, the Tom Baker console room. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And he assumed that they would bring it out of storage or they could rebuild it pretty easy, you know, whatever. And turned out, no, they can't, they don't have it in storage. Well, now they have something like it, but at the time they didn't. And they just decided, no, we're going to make it the tenant room. Cause that's still sitting there. So sorry. Right. And I always thought, well, I guess new fans probably appreciate that more, but our would have been nice to see the time. I mean, how room. awesome would that have been? That would have been, I mean, could you imagine that they walk in and then they're in the old console room for, yeah, I mean that, yeah, that I, 
my head is bouncing with delight at the thought. At the thought of seeing the Doctor and the TARDIS in this. Yeah, I know. And I thought the villain was really good. House, even though he was basically a voice in Green Smoke, I thought was very effective, very good acting there. And uh, I like the idea of something inhabiting the TARDIS. Taking, it's very Hitchcockian. Taking something that's very seems very safe, your home, the TARDIS, and turning it now into something menacing that is now going to mess with Amy and Rory. I guess yeah, you could argue that the, the whole messing with time and Rory goes kind of old and crazy in parts of that might have been pushing it so those are two like minor ticks against the episode for me but overall it's still very effective it's very well done and um, yeah the, do- the doctor lashing up at the TARDIS the junk TARDIS to go to the proper TARDIS and stop House and basically you knew it was going to come down to the personified TARDIS and House duking it out which it does um, I think it was very very effective and it has that nice little coda where you know it's still she's still kind of in there still kind of communicating in her own way to the Doctor. It's it's a very nice episode. It's definitely one of the high points of the Matt Smith era. I'm not sure. Would you say they have a better episode than this one? I don't know. It's tough. It is tough. Very tough. It's in the top five for sure of, yeah. of the Matt Smith run. I, I uh, Despite my niggles, I'm giving it a 10. It's a 10. Um, I'll, I, don't know. I, can, I don't know if I can give it a 10 just because... Just because. Just because no Tom Baker console room. That just that killed well, yes, Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> I will go with a nine, though. It was it was very, very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, very solid stuff. Dr. I think, I think maybe what, what slows it down for me is when Amy and Rory are, are going through the halls and they're in different, like, yeah. house takes yeah. them away. Mm-hmm. No, so. I hear you. That, that part, I mean, it's... it's, it's it's necessary. You need to see what it can do to them, how it's just messing with them. Yeah. Um, I don't think it kills the episode, though. But you're right. I mean, as I said, I've got... Look, I don't know if there's a true 10 in the world on, on anything like this. But to me, those are easily forgivable, considering how good the rest of the episode is. And it's not like it really kills the episode. It's just, oh, if I could change one thing and try and tighten something up, it'd be that. Yeah. Um, and a little less that sexual innuendo. But that's that's me. Um, yeah. No, very, very effective stuff. I hope we... Uh, we see more of what they were implying with the cubes and, and other Time Lords out there. And the idea that this thing has killed so many other Time Lords and destroyed so many other TARDISes, I thought was pretty fascinating. Yeah, that was very good. Yeah, maybe they could follow up on that. Anyway, so now on to the two-parter, uh, the Rebel Flesh and the Almost People. I was trying to remember, now when they make these gangers, which are essentially clones. Yeah. Are they made to be sentient, or do they become sentient? Um, I think they were... Well, because the idea is that they're they're plugged into them for safety reasons, because they're dealing with such hazardous stuff. Hence, when you see the death of one in the beginning, it's like, oh, well, they shrug it off, because it's like, oh, well, you, you, you ruined your suit. Get another suit. So at first, I believe they're not meant to be sentient on their own. They're meant to be sentient through you as you control them. Okay. Yeah. And that's the big deal of why later all these discards and the other sentients, like, they do get their own mind, so to speak. Um, and then it becomes the ethical question basically about cloning. You know, you know, is it, are clones basically their own life form or are they just copies that can be discarded? This is very good. I like these two. I like these two more as I looked back on them. Mm-hmm. And not even just recently, but like, uh, I think uh, some of the stuff that sticks out to me is when Amy is with the gang, what she believes is the gang or doctor. And she's mm-hmm. like, oh, you're, you're not the real doctor. Mm-hmm. You're just a jerk. Mm-hmm. Why do you even exist? Blah, right. blah, blah. And of course, that's, uh, I'm the doctor. Mm-hmm. We switched. Mm-hmm. And now I know how terrible of a person you can be. <laughs> wow. Yeah. 
no, that was that was uh, that was a good scene. Uh, Matt seemed to love playing the the dual doctor, so to speak. Yeah, it's funny how I think almost every doctor has some kind of doppelganger episode of some type. Most of them, anyway. So this is Matt's. He does a good job. And of course, a uh, shout out for the uh, the bit where um, at the beginning of part two, where Ganger Doctor is getting a handle on the uh, the doctor's personality, and you hear Tom Baker's voice offer a jelly baby. Yeah, that was that was nice. Shout out there. Nice. I know. I'm a whore for anything with, about the old classic show. If you throw that in there, I'm like, oh, okay. He also did a tenant line. He did a tenant line too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought. He, yeah. Yeah. It was tenant and tenant Baker. But. Um, yeah, I am. Um, what I did like about this a lot is it felt a bit more like an old school who it's two parts, it takes its time, it's effectively kind of a base under siege kind of plot, you know, the, a monastery sort of outpost, and uh, um, it does have some very hard questions that are not easily answered in regards to the gangers because they're not full out villains. I mean, they're villains you almost sympathize with to the point where you're almost like, well, you don't necessarily want to see them defeated, but you don't want to see the heroes go down either, so you're. You're in a bit of a crux there. Um, uh, and the ending is problematic, too, where, uh, you know, one of them kind of goes crazy and turns all monster, so they have to take her out. But then at the end, they go to the company to explain the problem there. And then one of the gangers basically takes the place of the guy so that his kid will have a father. And he is sort of the guy. So it gets in this weird thing where, where it's a copy of the guy, but he believes he is the guy. So is the family losing out? Or... It's, uh, that's probably what they want us to be pondering. Yes. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a tough call. But um, I think the other thing I really liked about this was uh, there was another girl showing some interest in Rory to prove to Amy that, hey, you shouldn't take this guy for granted because I feel like Rory gets dumped on a lot. Oh, yeah. And it was nice that for once he actually, you know, because usually it's, you know, of course all the guys seem to like Amy, uh, but... To, to have Rory turn the tables, I thought was... Not that he meant to, but I thought that was nice. It was nice to see that. A nice... Uh... Also in... Is it Day of the Moon where... Rory was listening to a conversation between the Doctor and and Amy. Where, he, where she's talking about how she might be pregnant. You're right, yeah. Mm-hmm. And previously he had heard her saying... I miss you in your stupid face. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh man, she misses the doctor so much. Mm-hmm. And then she's later, she's like, no, you, you're the stupid face. I miss you. So mm-hmm. it is, it is important to point out that she actually loves him. Yeah, at at points throughout this. But there's a lot, especially in season five, where you feel like he is the fifth wheel to, or the third wheel, whatever, to the doctor and Amy. <laughs> And it's unfortunate because, like, you know, I, I did grow to like uh, Rory a lot. But in the beginning, even I'm like, if I were this guy, I'd just check out. Like, like why am I still around when this girl clearly does not appreciate me? And, uh, you know what I mean? I mean, I guess oh, yeah. we've all been there when you you, you like someone and they don't like you back. But um, but yet, yeah, it just, I don't know. that The way that relationship started was so uneven that I'm glad it ended up where it did. But it took a while to, to get there. And, um, and this is another example to me where I just kind of thought, you know, hey, yeah, Rory's not such a bad guy, so Amy, you know, how about you actually step it up a little bit and, you know, show that you like the guy. Instead of the whole playing the whole exactly as you just said, oh, does she like the doctor, does she like Rory, blah, 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 and it's like, ugh, whatever. This gets back to, I don't want to see the doctor involved with anybody, so. Right. It always comes back to that with Bob. Um, so, yeah, no, I thought it was, it was good. I, I remember at the time, though, it just felt a little slow. And, um, you're right. It did. 
At points. And uh, I kind of wished it... Um, I don't know. Like, it was enjoyable, but it wasn't, like, top-tier Doctor Who. It's another, like, that oh, was pretty good, but it wasn't great. But then we get the cliffhanger, which is like, holy right, right, cow, right. that's right. not even Amy. That's a ganger. You're right. That, to me, was actually... I almost wish they had stopped the, se- the half-season there instead of on Good Man Goes to War, in a way. I know Good Man Goes to War was sort of a bigger blowout finale-type episode, but uh, that reveal was much stronger, I thought, than the river reveal in Good Men Goes to War. Because that scene was like, whoa, because you weren't expecting it, and it, it leads very crucially to a lot of stuff later. So you see how the ganger technology plays into the larger arc, and that was kind of neat. You're right. That was, a, that, was a, that was a very good scene. You're right. That seems good. I guess I'd rate this two-parter like an eight. That's where I was going. Yeah, I'll, I'll go, go an eight. eight. I'll give it. I'll give them together an eight. I'm not going to write, write them separately, but um, yeah, you're right. Very, you're right. Very good twist. Very good twist cliffhanger. That that would be the way I would do it. How did you feel about the fact this season was even split? This is the first time we had a split season. It is, but I I guess I just didn't care. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know I'm going to get the episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to get them at a time where it's kind of like uh, listen, I've got a I've got a box of cookies. Mm-hmm. And once I eat them, they're all gone. Mm-hmm. So I'm, maybe I don't eat them all at once. Okay. <laughs> maybe right. I have a few cookies and then uh, mm-hmm. I go a day without cookies. And then Thursday, I got these cookies that I would never have before if I ate them all at once. All so right. I'm fine with it. All right. All right. I, I remember it was uh, it was a little weird, but I understand this seems to have been part of the plan all along to make Doctor Who a false show. Um, and, and hence, you know, when it came back for season seven, we got a fall and it's spring again. And now Capaldi, guess what? coming in the fall so and listen that's the first show that i actually watched a lot that that i know of that did that but you know you got breaking bad did that mm-hmm. um what else there were uh, other shows that just mad men's doing it right now uh but a lot of these shows what they're doing uh, walking dead walking dead sopranos. did sopranos do that sopranos its last year did that but uh, okay well that was the difference Doctor between Who. taking a final year and splitting it and essentially trying to Make you think you got two years, which is what these networks do. I mean, Breaking Bad, like it, there was a year break in that in that final season. It wasn't yeah. just like three or six months. Uh, but the common thing you're right, more along these lines would be like Battlestar Galactica does a split. Um, and uh, but that was because of the writers' strike, though, right? No, I mean that became a common thing in the later seasons. That actually was something that Ron uh, Moore wanted to do was that have a have a like a break because after ten episodes, he wanted everyone to kind of mentally recharge hmm. and then come back for the next ten. Interesting. And because he saw how the fatigue hit people in when he was writing on Star Trek and they'd be hitting those last, you know, eight episodes and they would just be like, you know, they're riding on fumes. And he's like, no, 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 I don't want to do that again. I didn't catch up live on Battlestar until like mm-hmm. the last season. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, well, that's that's how that went. And I know that uh, there's a, a lot of the USA shows do it, too. And a burn notice does it. Leverage was doing it. Um, and that's TNT, actually. But never mind. Uh but a lot of those shows do it. They'll take, they'll do like, or white collar. They do like sixteen, and they'll do eight and eight, or nine and seven. However, they do it. Wow. So you're right. Doctor Who's not the first to do it, but it's weird when the previous years you got them all together. Yeah. Yeah. And certainly, classic Who never really did this either. So, you know. Anyways, um, Good Man Goes to War. Um, I liked the river reveal. Mm-hmm. I thought it was fun. I think I had spoiled myself. I think I knew what was going to happen, but I was I was still happy with it. Um, what take me through it here? What are some high points? Well, what are some um, points? What are some points? 
Well, basically, uh, it's one of the uh, like the um, what am I thinking of the uh, the Big Bang, where you're taking bits that we've seen in other episodes and we're we're putting them all together in the sandbox. We're making it kind of a big old. Here are the pirates, and here's a, here's a Centaurian, here's a Silurian, and they're all teaming up. Oh, there's those headless monks. It's like everyone's in this one, so it's sort of the. Uh, you know, the big team-up kind of episode. So that was obviously the big deal. I don't know about the whole idea of that soldier thinking of the name Doctor as a warrior. I, I thought that was kind of, I don't know, being a little on the nose about a point there about the Doctor. But um, I don't know. This does get a, li a little into, um, I believe this is the first time we meet, um, isn't it? Uh, both uh, Strax and Jenny and uh, the Silurian girl, who I can't remember her name. Isn't this the first time we meet them? I don't know. I I'm, guess I'm pretty sure it is. I mean, I know the actress was in Cold Blood, but that was a different character. So, right. Uh, so this starts their little sort of mini ongoing saga. Had they just appeared this one time, I would have been like, oh, all right, whatever. Because they kept coming back, I, I was. But now that you reminded me of it, I'm giving this one a minus six. Minus six. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not huge on those characters. I mean, again, had it just been their one appearance, <laughs> I'd have been like, okay, whatever. But. You're right. It's because, or even you know what? If you want to give him a spinoff, give him a spinoff. Mm -hmm. I don't watch the spinoffs hardly, so mm -hmm. I'll just uh, do whatever you want. But yeah, yeah. No, this this just felt like um, the most blockbustery of the episodes. Uh, I I don't know though. You know, like and then they do the whole thing where they don't reveal the doctor till like midway through the episode. He was one of the monks, and he shows like how cool he is because he what was it i think it even opens with the whole thing with the cyber fleet being destroyed and rory coming in all badass and trying to you know what does he say where's my wife yeah he's well yeah he wants to know where's my wife and where's my baby basically so yeah. right and um i don't know we get to the point where now we're, we we see that amy was pregnant she has the baby the baby of course becomes very important because of the big reveal at the end and uh yeah, I don't know. It's an episode that's entertaining to watch, but um, because it's so tied into the whole river arc, and it's like, yeah, the more I think of it in context of the arc, the more I don't like it. I think it's because I don't like the arc. I don't like the arc of this season. Uh, but if I superficially just look at, okay, there's a bunch of, we oh, we get uh, the, the World War II biplanes, in space from Victory of the Daleks again, we get all this crazy stuff, and it's like, all right, this feels like, this feels like the comic book or fan fiction version of Doctor Who, where you know some fans said, and we're gonna bring this guy in, and then before you know it, pirates are there. I mean, that's this. what they like to do, and yeah. and at the end of seasons, though, is this, these are all the friends that we met along the way. Mm -hmm. I don't need it either. I think it's, I, I'm, especially I'll, like like the the Cybermen. Mm -hmm. Cybermen should not just be a throwaway. Yeah. As they kind of are in closing time, too, which we'll yeah. get to later. They're, mm -hmm. they're awesome. They're cool. You're right. Instead, they're just there to, to open the episode and, oh, watch the Cyberfleet get destroyed. And you're like, I know the Doctor's cool. I know he is. But it's interesting how in the new series, especially since, like, late, I'm going to say late RTD, you know, the, the, the end of Tenet and, and onward, they've kind of tried to make him a little more superheroic. They've tried to make him a little more like, aha, look at me, and I can bluff because you know I'm such a, I'm such a badass, and you're all going to back down because I'm da-da-da. And I miss the Doctor when they underestimated him, and he had to kind of... I mean, he would win, but it's not like he could come in all bluster Superman style and be like, ha-ha. Well, I get what they're trying, what they try to do at the end of this season, though, mm -hmm. which is... They, I mean, I think he even... 
essentially says, I've become a little too big for my britches. Mm-hmm. I need to take it down a peg and yeah. fly under the radar. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like it too, even though I, I didn't get a sense of that in season seven. Yeah, it is funny because they they say that. Yeah, and I'm going to pretend that I'm dead and mm-hmm. everything's going to be fine. And next year's comes the like doctor on the way. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of. I wanted to see more of that, and I didn't see as much of that as I wanted. But anyway, yeah. So I don't know. It's it's entertaining. Um, you know, it's fun. It's definitely you know I have a feeling when we get to this marathon, that one will be a crowd pleaser because it just has. You know, it moves. It's action-y. I can't complain about that. There was a gal who wanted to meet the doctor so bad, right? In this one? The, uh, the, and the she, soldier? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. What happened? And then she eventually died. Yeah. Why did she want to meet him again? Um, because he had uh, he was like a legend, I think, of her people or something, and he had saved them. And um, But she wanted to say something or do something, right? Gosh, she didn't want to just dude. meet him. It's It's gone. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's gone from my head, dude. I, I mean, I know the broad strokes, but... It, it has been, what, at least two years since I've seen these episodes. So, um, anyway, I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm kind of torn. I guess I'd give it a seven. Yeah, I'll go seven. I think that's how I, I was leaning as well, even though I quite like the reveal, the river reveal. Yeah, that's my thing. I, that's where I was confused. They, they pull out this cot. They reveal that, if I'm not mistaken, it is the doctor's cot. It was his baby cot. But it was also, apparently, River's baby cot. And I'm like, okay, how'd that work? Like, because... Well, they didn't grow up at the same moment. Well, no, I know that. But what I'm saying is, okay, it was the doctor. Somehow he still has it, which is terribly convenient. Uh, And at some point, even though all this river stuff was a mystery, he knew to give it to... No, that can't be the case. That can't be the case. That would be stupid. The, The silence must have had it. The cot? Yeah. I can't believe I care about this fucking cot. But yeah, the 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 silence must have had it then, and they must have used But why would they even give a shit? No, the doctor took it out of the TARDIS. That's right, he did. Okay, never mind. Okay, then why the hell does he have it? It is weird that he has it, but, yeah. you know, TARDIS is big. He can just, he stole know. the TARDIS. Why would he have brought his cot with him when he stole the TARDIS? Tar- stole the TARDIS. Yeah. I got to bring went, this with went me. Home. I got to bring my baby crew with me. That's an excellent point. Yeah. That's excellent. <laughs> I just... I'm just wondering. Like, <laughs> I don't even care if he was Tom Baker in Deadly Assassin. Going, wait, 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 wait. Before I leave, after I did all this, I gotta get my baby cat. <laughs> that just, that just doesn't make any sense. Um, so yeah, that was weird. And the, and the, the, and why would he have known if it was her cot when the whole thing about her was a mystery? I mean, she wasn't. She was technically, as a child, raised by the silence. So, Does he say that this is Rivers? Was Rivers? Yeah, they cat? said that. They said that. That's why the prayer leaf was in there. Because he even reads the Gallifreyan writing on the cot, and that's when he realizes before everyone else does, and has that big oh wow. Hmm. It's silly. It's very silly. It seems like. Again, it seems like some nice ideas of there's this cot. It's got writing. That's how we know. It's, it just seems like it, this wasn't streamlined enough. Like, it's a little bit too much. Let's just throw all these ideas in there and it'll work. And it's like, no, it's a little too too messy. Um, the uh, the big reveal, the prayer leaf reveal, I know a lot of people seem to be all bowled over by it and everything. It made it seem like it was this, I don't know. I, there seemed to be some fans who were skippy about it. And I really couldn't care less because by this point, I didn't care about River Song. And to me... Making Amy and Rory's baby River 
it what it was like well okay it's time travel weirdness so we reveal now that they're her parents and she knew that but they didn't know that and yet i see no hint of this in her performance before this well she can't though mm-hmm. i'm fine with that because she can't she's got to pretend that she isn't their daughter i get that but a good actress, if she knew this ahead of time, which gets me to my other point, where it's, I don't think that Moffat had that fully planned out. I don't think she told her in season five, hey, by the way, these are your parents. I don't think he had that fully worked out yet. You may be right. And because I think any good actress would find a way so that if you go back and watch it, there's a way you can read it and go, oh, or, and it should be in the writing. Not, not so much that it slams you, you don't want to give it away, but I think that would make a repeat viewing a rewarding experience. Similar to... In Impossible Astronaut, yes. when the astronaut turn, kills the doctor, goes away into the water, yes. River takes out her gun and she starts shooting, and then she's like, oh, of course not. Now, River already knows that's her. That river on the beach? Yeah. Um, because that river was imprisoned right. for killing the doctor, which is what she just saw. Oh, yeah. I guess you're right. I didn't even think about that. Huh. Yeah. So So she she misses. First of all, the fact that she's shooting at herself is a bad idea. Yeah, it's a bad idea. And then she says, of course not. Mm -hmm. As in, in, oh, Oh, what am I doing? Oh, yeah. I can't can't really. All right. Damn. Yeah, I suppose you have a point there. I I don't know. This is why this whole season is a bit... You try to add it up and it doesn't fully work. Um, Anyway... Um, and this is also where we get into, after the split, we get into Let's Kill Hitler. Tell you what, I uh, we haven't rated this, and uh, that's rated fine. Um, the man goes to Oh, work. I said seven. Where are you going? Oh, I probably would have said seven, but at the end where Dorian, he's like, uh, his head's cut off, but he's the doctor's talking to him, and Dorian's like, we're going to ask this question on Trenzalore. Where any question asked must be answered and you can't lie. Doctor Who. And it just keeps repeating over and over. I know the name of the show. <laughs> Quit trying to be cute. Quit trying to be cute. Um, yeah, I get it. Um, wait, except that happened in Wedding of River Song. Was that Wedding Oh, that's later. Thing. Yeah, I understand how you get those two mixed up, but... Okay, well then I'll, I'll give it back to... Uh, what did you say? I, I went I'll seven. Go, I'll, yeah, I'll go seven. Um, I almost rate this separately to Let's Kill Hitler, even though technically it's considered the final or the last two-parter we've had. But they are so different. There's such a thin thread connecting them that to me they're almost separate episodes. But they uh, are separate episodes. Who says they're two-parter? That's the well, end of one the season. two-parter in that where, where is uh, Amy's baby, the, the, the search for Amy's baby and the answer is sort of that it's River, but also what happens to the baby itself is sort of revealed in Let's Kill Hitler. But right. they're, they're ultimately two separate stories. They're just sort of connected. But generally speaking, when I see episode guide listings, Good Man and Let's Kill Hitler are considered a two-parter. But they're from the split. Yeah. So the idea is that finale, you know, like Star Trek would often end on a part one summer, and then you'd come back with part two, you know, cliffhanger type thing, All right. which is sort of the, the idea here. Anyways, so Let's Kill Hitler, um, which I'm going to say, I uh, even though it's, I don't know, you, there's a part of me that goes, this is nonsense. But then there's another part of me that goes, but I'm going to give it this. I was not bored watching it. That's key. And at least it kept throwing new crap at you and surprising you. 
and it does have some good lines that I like between the characters. So overall, it's enjoyable. I actually I will say I like it, even though it 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 brings up some things I also have issues with. But it, these issues do not stop me from enjoying the show. So I don't know. I'll let you talk. Well, I like Let's Kill Hitler a lot, and uh, I think the title is fun, mm-hmm. and I really enjoy seeing Mel's. Mm-hmm. Um, I like seeing her regenerate into River, mm-hmm. which we all knew was going to happen. But actually, I didn't. I didn't know that was going to happen. You didn't know that was going to happen? Nope. I knew she was going to connect somehow, but I didn't know exactly how. Oh. But I don't read the spoilers as much. So. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it must have been uh, very fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I know some people who were disappointed because from the title they expected like an inglorious bastards kind of thing, where it would just be. The doctor and companions literally having a Tarantino hunt down of Hitler. Right. And I thought, you do watch this show, right? (laughs) You do know they can't quite do that, right? Um, And we have to still address the whole river thing, right? Um, And essentially, it should be called Let's Save Hitler. Because they did by accident. Yeah, it should be called Let's Save Hitler, exactly. Uh, or let's kill the doctor is really kind of what it was all about. Yeah. Um, it was interesting seeing River. I would have liked to have seen a little bit more differentiation in uh, the performance of this early River who's supposed to be brainwashed and a, doc- a killer of the doctor instead of she's still ultimately flirty River. And I thought, um, not that she would be like a robot, but I expected her to be a little harder, a little harsher. Um, but the uh, the constant back and forth of ways she was trying to kill him and ways he was avoiding it was totally out of Curse of Fatal Death. Um, yeah, which, which, which actually I enjoyed. I enjoyed that. I'm fine with having a little fun with time travel like that. But um, the... Uh, oh, this is also, I believe, when the Doctor starts wearing the pea coat, uh, The green pea coat that he uh, doesn't wear again after Season 7, actually. Uh, 6. Doesn't wear after Season 6. But um, the... Uh, oh, I remember. I did not like him getting poisoned. The stupid lipstick poison thing. I didn't like it. I mean, I don't mind the the method, the, the the actual kiss. That's fine. I get that. I didn't like the fact that suddenly there's this poison that can kill Time Lords, and the Doctor can't do anything about it. This coming only two years after he'd been poisoned, and he did that crazy honey, you know, honey pepper paprika thing, and kissed Donna, and then expelled the poison that he'd been poisoned in Unicorn and the Wasp. Um, Speaking of Donna, here's something I did not like about the episode is when he's in the TARDIS and he needs to feel guilt to keep living, right? Mm -hmm. Which is weird anyway. But so the the TARDIS decides to project uh, images of companions Mm -hmm. that maybe he should feel guilty about the way he left them or something. Mm -hmm. Uh, Rose, okay, Mm -hmm. maybe, maybe. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, Donna, why should he f- feel guilty about that? Um, he shouldn't. He shouldn't feel guilty at all what happened to Donna. Right. Or wait oh. a second, wait a second, Donna, not Donna, Martha. hmm And if you are a TARDIS who has been with the Doctor all of his life, and if you were going to pick people to be guilty about, there should be Adric. Yeah. In there. Mm-hmm. There should be, um, who else? Who else was he really... Dodo, <laughs> Dodo, Dodo died as well. No, she didn't die, but no, he, no, no. he kind of just left her up. But Sarah, <laughs> That's right. Sarah, Sarah Kingdom died. That's right. Sarah Kingdom died. Um, it's just infuriating to me to only use people from the last five years of Doctor Who. It is. I agree. 
And I love the fact that the few times they've shown older companions, it's always been in these little extra DVD-only scenes. It's rarely been in the show itself, I guess, because they're afraid they're going to alienate people or something. And at this stage, I'm like, I think it's popular enough. People are savvy enough. We can do this. I understand the first couple of years you wanted to shy away from this, but I think we've reached a point where it's okay to embrace the history of the show. And to a degree, they do. They show the older doctors occasionally, you know, in uh, 11th Hour and so forth. But... Um, yeah, I agree with you that it would have been a nice nod to see that. But I guess the way they see it is so many viewers have been like, who's this random guy? But you'd think that, hey, you know what? Uh, other fans could tell them or they could look it up. It's not a big deal. We, we live in a very easy age of information. So, yeah, it, uh, so the poison thing bugged the crap out of me. I thought the doctor could have found a way out of it. I, I just thought it was kind of a weak way to say, like, oh, I, I guess I'm dying and I can't really help anyone and, and I've got to be now saved by my own killer, which was also ridiculous that... River is, in this point, all about killing the doctor. And then at the last minute, she's convinced that, oh, this is a guy I'm going to end up marrying and loving, so I guess I better save him. And she gives him regeneration energy, which is a double whammy of not only do I not believe a character can turn like this that quickly, I do not believe... I'm not a believer in Moffat's fast and loose regeneration rules of, I can just sort of give away pixie dust regeneration when I want. I don't think her character turn happened as sharply... As you're you're saying, maybe it maybe that's it was the way, that's sharper. The way it came off to me. I didn't. But I mean, the, yeah, he's who's this River Song? It's been time and time again. Who's this River Song? He really likes her. Yeah. And then finally, he finds that she finds out that it's her. Mm-hmm. And I understand. I'm fine with that. But I'm completely on board with uh, handing out regeneration energy willy nilly. Yeah. Like candy. Yeah. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, not only... There's something that would have been very useful, you think, a couple of times if, if he could do that. Or and right now, that. you know, Moffat, who was not listening to this, <laughs> but if he was, he's going to say, just because you haven't seen it happen before doesn't mean it can't. And to which I would reply a big bunch of curse words because it's just <laughs> stupid. Uh, yeah, because there have been a lot of times where... If if that were the case, it should have come up before. Um, but yeah, I'm not a fan of it, and it, it just feels too easy. It's a lot of oh, it's too easy. It's like it's not it's not earned. I don't like things that aren't earned. I want it to be you know. And I, if it's a comedy, you can go with it. But this wasn't a comedy. Um, yeah. Mm. But as I say, there's some there's some fun back and forth. I don't mind the Mel's thing, but it was a bit weak to to just try to say oh, so it was River the whole time. Guess what? Uh, you didn't get to raise your daughter because she was your best friend the whole time, so you sort of already raised her without knowing it, which is a very Moffat idea. Um, but it just it doesn't it doesn't totally work. And um, while I will, as I say, it's it's breezy, it's fun. I even like the Tesselecta. I think that's a cool idea. I'm all for that. Um, it's just it's not satisfying as a way to conclude this whole thing about where's my baby. They technically never find the baby because she's got to get raised and brainwashed. The and person. dies. She dies in New York. And, and yeah, dies. How did she die? Was it from the gunshot? We never even explained why she. Uh, died. There is. I think. I think we're just supposed to infer that the kid was homeless and lost and sick and dying because of starvation or something. Yeah, something yeah. like that. And not to mention, <laughs> was there any? Uh, was she regenerating into Mel's, or were there people between her and Mel's? I don't know. That's a good question. You know. And I'm 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 fine with that being not answered. Okay. 
Because um, there's the the implication that River gave up all of her remaining regenerations to save the Doctor, which I thought, couldn't she just give up one? <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't that be enough? Um, <clears throat> and uh, and other people implied that that could be how he would beat the regeneration limit. And I thought, God, if that's the case, just shoot me. So I'm glad that wasn't the reason. But even still, um, you know what? Okay, this leads me back to another point about the whole uh, River Song baby blah thing that I just, I'm sorry, yet again, wonky rules, Moffat, what the hell? Um, so apparently, if you have sex in the TARDIS and you have a baby, that baby yeah. becomes apparently sort of Time Lord. Yeah. Sort of Time Lord-esque. And I'm like, really? 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 That's pretty that's, terrible. It's, it's like, well, I guess he felt he needed to make her Time Lord-esque to make her worthy of the Doctor's um, betrothal. But... Uh, it just feels tacked on. It just feels very like, uh, and a way to explain the whole Mel's thing and all that. I just go like, you know, she's not a time lord. She's a human being. And I'm sorry, but you're saying that, did, would this mean that, I guess this goes along the idea that RTD was trying to say that a time traveler's DNA can do magic things where you touch a Dalek and it'll magically revive and all that crap. Uh, and I guess if you follow that same line of complete fairy dust logic, sure, I guess it works. But I don't. I think it's that's where I draw the line. Where I'm like, this, come on, it's yeah, it's very weak. It's yeah, very, it's very weak. I never liked it. I thought it was just it's it's the kind of thing where again, I feel like you brainstorm this in a boardroom. You think it's going to be something like that. We'll come up with something better. And guess what? <laughs> you don't. You're totally right. You. <laughs> That's what I feel like. It's it's first draft idea that sadly made it in. It's not something that was heavily thought out better. Um, or maybe they wanted to come up with something better and they just ran out of time, which I know often happens in television. So, anyways, don't like that. So there's a lot of things there. Where I'm like, but um, as I say, you know, that aside, it is it is fun. The the, the Hitler stuff is funny and. I um Rory saying shut up Hitler. Yeah, that's funny. That's funny. There's some good stuff there. I would and as I said, I wasn't bored. You know, at least I'm like I'm along for this ride. I did like it better than Good Man Goes to War. So on that, I'd probably give it like an eight. Oh, oh, um, yeah, I'll go eight. Yeah, I know some people who hate River with a passion who would rate it far lower just because it's so River centric. But yeah, I um yeah. Anyway. Anytime, you know what? Anytime I see a regeneration, I like it. Okay. Right. I, that doesn't mean I want it overdone. Yeah, or people handing it out like candy. Well, that doesn't count as it. That's not a re- Yeah, that's dumb. Yeah. <laughs> well, it sort of is because he was dying. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And she revived yeah. him with that, which luckily did not count as another fucking regeneration. Right. Uh, <sighs> anyway. So. What's after Let's Kill Hitler? Night Terrors. Night Terrors employs my very least favorite thing to happen in all of television. That happens twice in this season. Oh, I know. I know what you're doing. Okay, go, go ahead. We're, Preach on. All right. Uh, love saves the day. Yes, yes, true. Yes. Parental love saves the day. Um, yeah, that was in both. Uh, yep. Yep. Uh, I agree with you. I um, uh, And keep in mind, as I understand it, uh, they flipped the order. Uh, this is where Curse of the Black Spot should have been, and Night Terrors was supposed to be number three hmm. in the season. But they flipped it. I don't know why. Um, maybe because Curse timed better to Pirates of the Caribbean 4 at that point. That would be the only know. thing I could think of. Um, but here's the thing. Looking at the previews and looking at the pictures, 
those dolls looked creepy as hell. Yeah, to me. dolls are really creepy. And uh, I was excited for this. Uh, yeah, true. They, yeah. Also, Zoom. after going through all that in uh, Let's Kill Hitler, because it's out of order, it does seem weird that they're not even talking much about this rather big thing that your daughter turns out to be this woman who's the doctor's wife and, you know, and we grew up with her the whole time. You know, you think they'd still be talking about it, but they're not. And that's a production issue, not so much a writer's issue. So that's a little weird that they're having like now just, okay, we're back to a standard adventure and we're back on a council estate and creepy things are happening to people in a council estate. So in a way it has that sort of Rose survival vibe. Um, and, I did like the idea that a little kid, by wishing hard enough, I mean, I know it's very fanciful, but I like the idea that it could go to the doctor's psychic paper and he would go answer this cry for help. I actually kind of dug that. I was like, all right, that's neat. And the dolls are cool, but that's about where my like of the episode stops. It's after that, I just find I like that Amy turned into a doll. I forgot about that. Yeah, that's okay, that scary. was creepy. That was creepy, yeah. <laughs> I just um, I just found it kind of, I hate to say it, I found this one boring. Yeah, yeah, very disappointing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, uh, it's, yeah. I remember the guy melting into the floor. Yeah. And, and the parental love says that cause the kid was an alien and he could sort of literally manifest his fears in that cupboard. And that's how it all sort of came about. But that to me is in that weird realm of, I don't know, Doctor Who, and I have to say the old show didn't, didn't sometimes delve into this, but I feel like the new show likes to take abstract emotions and concepts and, personify them in a very vague way and i don't mean like the i mean obviously these dolls were very real to them and were very much a menacing threat i mean a vague in the sense that um these are the things that both cause the problem and solve the problem and i understand that they're trying to be allegorical they're trying to be very you know hey uh you know by the way this is a good message on how to live life and that's great but you want to know what i don't need to hammer bludgeoned over my head that 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 hard about this kind of thing. And I don't feel, I feel like if the father saved the day, if that's, if that was the theme you wanted to go for, well, I don't need to literally hear that. Oh, well, by saying I love my son and I won't leave him and hug him, everything's fine. Have the father save the day. Fine. But there should be a concrete way he saved the day, but it was still his love that motivated him to save the day. I think that's a better way to go, but that's me. If you're going to do it, then maybe like do it once and then don't do it again for a long time because it does get old when they do it a lot. Cause I felt like the God complex had a similar thing to this and as well. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Cause the God complex is all about faith. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which will, yeah, we'll get to that. So yeah, that, that's, this, you're right. So I feel like we get like three, not quite, but almost three episodes in a row that feel like this. And it did start to get very old uh, by the end. And it made me feel kind of... And Oh, Victory of the Daleks, same thing, where oh, we're going right. to talk to a robot about love and get it to shut itself down or stop the bomb. Oh, goodness. Because it remembers loving a woman. And I go like, this is a very nice idea, but it doesn't, it doesn't fully work because it's a robot. It doesn't... Oh, God. I... I get bothered by these things. But anyway, yeah. So you're right. It's it's too much of emotion and abstract thought saving the day for no coherent reason. I'm going to give this one a four just because I felt it could have been so much better. I agree. I mean, because the tone is cool. It's, it is creepy. The dolls are creepy. They're nice images. I like the setup. It seemed like it should have been a nice little fun, quiet episode. A little, like, little tangenty episode. And it just is kind of bleh. I think I would, um... Hmm... I want. Mm, 
I'm rating it as Day of the Moon. Like, which one would I rather watch? <laughs> You'd rather watch Day of the Moon, right? All right, so I'm giving it a three. I'm going three. All right. All right, three for Night Terror. Sorry, Mr. Mark Gaddis, you're... Uh, He's written some other good ones, but that one to me just wasn't this wasn't fully there. Um, all right, so I believe it was Girl Who Waited is the next one, which was quite good. I like this one a lot. Okay, well, that means that it's not three in a row then. That's why I said almost, but not okay. quite three in a row. Uh, Girl Who Waited, fantastic. Yeah, that's the other high point of the season for me. Yeah, very, very well done. Yeah, this to me is like it's proper modern Doctor Who. Like they're really, it feels like Doctor Who, but this is Doctor Who where they clearly want to take it. They've got both the that the, the 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 moral quandary about saving an older Amy versus a younger Amy, and where Rory stands on that and everything, and making that hard choice—that's cool. I'm all with that. But I love the design of the of the um, the medical center. I love the the robots. I loved Amy in her armor. I thought that all looked really cool. There's a vibe about this one because it is mostly just the leads and robots. There's not really any real guest stars in this thing. That reminds me a lot of Ark in Space. Yeah. Uh, the beginning of Ark in Space because yeah, it's very white it's very stark you're dealing with more like artificial intelligences at first and it's all about the leads and so again because by association with a very very good story and it is good on its own uh, that helps elevate it for me but I thought they all gave very strong performances I like the idea that the doctor has to kind of be in the TARDIS to protect himself against the, the, the disease at the center um, and the two time streams going on yeah yeah just really just good well thought out science fiction concepts I, I thought and and coupled with good character drama, I mean, it was that's it's what you really want. You want the best of both worlds, and that's kind of what it is. I'm trying to think what else to add about this one. Um, Karen Gillan did a very good job playing herself thirty six years older. I'll say. Yeah, that. she's. I mean, it really it really was just solid. Mm -hmm. Yeah, harsh ending, but I think, but I think that to me was an earned moment. That to me, you know, with the with how Rory has to keep the older Amy out of the TARDIS despite the fact that he wants to save them both. And how much of a bastard the Doctor is for lying to her to get her to save the younger version of herself. Yeah. Well, he can be. Anyway, very good. I don't know what else to say. I just, I'm thinking about it going, yeah, the, yeah very solid. It makes me want to, see, remembering this one makes me want to go put it on right now and watch it again. That is good Doctor Who. So, um, I, I, I would probably go, um, between a nine and a ten, should I give it a ten? I'm gonna go nine. I'm gonna go nine. I think I'm gonna go ten. You're gonna go ten? Yeah. I'm going ten. I'm gonna say nine for right now. It should probably be a ten. Nine point five. I compromise. I'm gonna go nine point five. It's very, very good. It's very, very good. Yeah. The this and Doctor's Wife are the two like tip top of season six for me. Um, so now we're back to love saving the day with uh, God Complex. Not so much Love Saving the Day, but abstract thoughts, sort of, you know. Yeah, uh, a bad guy fed by faith. Mm -hmm. So you have to lose faith, so he instantly dies. Yeah, right. And uh, the doctor breaking <coughs> Amy's faith in him was very much out of Curse of Fenric, I have to say. Um, with Seventh Doctor doing the same thing with Ace to save her from the Hemogor. Um, uh, so I wondered, actually, if the writer was even... Was, was Did he mean to do that? Or, anyway. Uh, I did like the weird, eerie feeling of this weird hotel where nothing is as it seems. Uh, the, 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 the Minotaur was very well realized. Um, he looked creepy. Um, so there's a lot of neat stuff in it. It was intriguing, 
But I do feel like at the end of the day, when you're in like these sort of episodes where everything's just kind of surreal and weird, and and then it all turns out to be, of course, oh, at the end of the day, it, of course it was weird. It was a weird uh, alternate dimension. It was a weird spaceship. It was a space prison keeping this thing. That was the that was the twist, right? It was a prison, <clears throat> and everybody else was its food, as opposed to we thought it was a prison for the people, and the minis- the Minotaur was, I guess, I guess in a way, the hotel was its labyrinth. Um. Some neat stuff. I like the tie to the Nymon. That was kind of cool. Um, just because, any again, any tie to the old show is neat. But, um, yeah, at the end of the day, when we get back to abstract things, uh, what is it? He feeds on faith. Any Anytime people are feeding on very intangent, intangible things, it, I feel like we're just... I don't know. It's it doesn't feel as solid to me, and I don't like that. Um, yeah, I like I like a, um, an ending of a show to really yeah hammer at home basically. Um, although this also is the one where technically Amy and Rory leave. This is where he drops them off, thinking, okay, well, eventually you two are going to end up dead, so I'm saving you now by making sure you don't keep traveling with me. My biggest frustration about this episode does not actually happen in this episode, where the doctor. Everybody's got their own room mm-hmm. where their greatest fear is there. Mm-hmm. And the doctor opens his room. And we find out much later in time of the doctor that it's he opens the room. And what are we going to see? And it's that it's the crack in the wall. Oh, that's what he supposedly saw. Didn't I, we see Didn't we see it? I think we saw it in time I, of the doctor. I suppose you're right. I, don't, I must have blocked that part out. I'm sorry. Yeah, he, you're probably right. He saw the crack in the wall. It's mm-hmm. like that's... That's the thing that you were most terrified? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Now you're right, because uh, that, that seems to change with the production. I mean, if you go back to John Pertwee, it was all about the spiders, right? It should have been himself. I think it should have just been himself in there. And the idea that he's most afraid of himself would be very yeah. uh, good. Uh, going along the lines of uh, Dream Lord mm-hmm. in the Valley Yard, that's very well set up and I think carries through for the most part. And look at how Hartnell even started. He was a kind of a bastard in the beginning. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're right. Kevin, you should be writing Doctor Who. There we go. That's that's a much better uh, that's a much better fear for the Doctor to have. Uh yeah, enjoyable, but just kind of weird and a little unsatisfying at the end. I guess I would go back to a seven on this one. I'm going to go a seven as well. Yeah, it's not bad. It's I remember when they showed the trailer for this one at Comic Con. I was really excited about this one. I was like, oh wow, this one looks really properly creepy, and uh, it was like, eh, it was okay. <laughs> I oh, there was the um, um, what was I thinking of the uh, the pseudo companion in this one. The girl that he liked because she was smart and she was figuring stuff out. And mm. he, he was almost like, yeah, call me. I'll recruit you. You know, And I thought, this is weird. I understand we're doing this for a joke. But you're, you're clearly meaning to eventually drop these other two off. And you're looking to recruit again even though you know the reason you're dropping these two off is because you keep putting them in danger. And you're happy to do it with this other girl who ends up dead at the end of the episode anyway. So. Right. Yeah. Something worth pointing out too is uh, David Williams played that that alien. Yeah, the coward. Who, the coward. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and one of my favorite lines of the whole darn season and and beyond is uh, his planet's motto. Uh, they they just constantly got conquered, conquered by other yeah. uh, resistance is exhausting. <laughs> wonderful that's delightful resistance yeah. is exhausting yes that, that was that was funny <laughs> yeah and I, I like the throwback weird 80s there's lots of like in it it's just it's just that the ultimate ending didn't quite live up to the uh again to all that build up and you're right that's uh 
that that fear of the doctor was would have been nice to have seen. But I guess would it have made sense even if you'd seen it in the moment? Eh, I don't know. Anyways, uh, so right, God complex closing time. I know that everybody really liked the. I I enjoyed the lodger, and I was fine with the return to Craig. Yeah, I, I like the lodger. I know some people hate it, but I I'm okay with it. It was fun. I don't know if we needed a return to Craig, but. I was willing to at least see what would happen. And speaking of the Cybermen, I mean, they're the ultimate bad guys in this, and they're just bitches. <laughs> they're just treated like bitches. True. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we do have a night. I'm all for making a department store creepy, but it did feel like we're going to horse around with the doctor being a salesman and have some misadventures with Craig. And, oh, yeah, by the way, they're going to fight some Cybermen. That's the way this episode felt. Yeah, if you're going to have Cybermen in your mm-hmm. show, they should be scary, yeah. and they should be prevalent yeah yeah and instead they're just kind of skulking around and not seeing a whole lot and when they are seen they're not really effective the return um, of the cybermat that was cool i liked seeing the cybermat come back i'm yeah. all for i think cybermat should have been back since day one uh so i was glad to see that i, I thought it was neat that the design is much more like the uh, the tomb cybermats yeah the the later one which is fine uh i like the little teeth there so yeah that moment was cute i like that a lot um, i'm all for and of course they uh they had to do the cybermat toy Sure. Tie in. Um, I'm trying to remember. I mean, and there was that nice little moment where Amy and Rory are at the department store, but he doesn't say hi to them. That was that was well handled. But uh, basically, I think the two things that I, that really bring down what would be a a fair a five episode for me uh, that brings it down like a point is one parental love saving the day again, quite literally in a way that I don't buy. That I'm like, oh, you're getting converted, but because you hear your child crying, it. It, it, it'll make you reverse the process, blow up the Cybermen, and now your child likes you. It's like, really? Well, okay. And, and, and I don't know. And it's so funny that uh, uh, it, it goes down like that because, as you, as you say, we kind of had it like three episodes earlier. Um, so, I don't know. I Yeah, to me that was weak and not very believable. It's like, again, if you want to have that, there should be a concrete way that the Doctor or Craig defeats the Cybermen that is still rooted in the motivation of love for your child, which is fine. Uh, and then, of course, we get to the end, which now connects us to the big arc with the whole, what, River is now put in the astronaut suit and put under the water, right, waiting for the doctor and the doctor. You said at the end of this? I don't even remember that. Pretty sure it was at the end of this, yeah, because all the kids, there was that nursery rhyme, and you see her in the suit, and she's under the water. The big reveal was, it's River. River was the one in the astronaut suit. Okay. Um... Well, which, of course, we had to know because the little girl was in the astronaut suit in the beginning. you know. So it's not a huge reveal, but it was just confirming. Um, yeah, I don't know. And uh, isn't it also, is this the one or is it the next one where she finally gets the diary, too? I get confused on this because they all start to bleed together. But anyway, so it's a reminder of how weak the arc is to me and how weak the resolution is. Bring down what should have been at least a fair, entertaining episode. So I, I think I'll stick with a... I'll go. I'll stick with a five in closing time. I'm going four. You're going four. <clears throat> yeah, maybe I should go four. No, I'll do five. I'll stick with five. I'll do five. What the hell? I'm nice, but uh, it just was. Eh. It was there. I hate <laughs> to call it that. It was an episode that was there. Um, so the wedding of River Song, the finale, the crazy, insane finale, which is weird because this is the first time we've had a finale that was not a two-parter. Hmm. Uh, I did. I was. Really disappointed. I really didn't care for it. Mm-hmm. All this wacky stuff, timelines all rushing together, people riding elephants in the street or whatever. It's uh, messy. 
messy, trying too hard to be cute. Mm-hmm. Charles Dickens on a chat show. Yeah, I did, yeah. The more I think about it, the more I just really didn't like it. I mean, it's it's a it's one of these ideas that I would expect to read in a Doctor Who novel or comic book and go, all right, I can see it working there on television. While it's nice, we live in a day and age that they can realize this. I agree. It 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 made it uh, I think more difficult to follow than it had to be. And I understand they were trying to show the consequences of what happens when River tries to avert this fixed point in time, save the Doctor, and thus it creates this weird multi-timeline. But I kept thinking to myself, going like, well, why Why is it that, like, there, there have been times before they try to avert fixed points, and maybe you have, like, a, a, I call them the chronovores, the Reapers that might show up. I almost would have believed, I almost would have rather have seen Reapers messing with people because that would have been established and more of a real concrete threat right. than, oh, time's just really messed up, and it's all weird, and it's always this one day at this one time, and it's ancient Rome, and it's also World War II, and it's this at the same time. And then we get Amy having to remember Rory again, or they have to remember each other again, mm-hmm. which we already did. Yeah, mm-hmm. right, yeah. Right after, uh, at the end of season five, you're right. The iDrives are a neat look, but I still don't entirely understand how they work, where it's an external hard drive that makes you know what the silence is. But I like the idea that, okay, I'm all for alternate timeline stuff. I don't know if we needed the mass convergence. I like alternative timeline stuff. So we get alternate Amy, where she's kind of badass, and, you know, they're there, and they got the silence captured, they're in the pyramid. I mean, that was kind of neat. I I kind of dug that. And we're supposed to finally get a, a resolution to... The frustration that her baby had been taken away from her by killing Madame Kavorian, um, who's in captivity. And I thought, oh, okay. And we get a very slapdash wedding with River and the Doctor to, to kind of cement that, which to me is yet again, I'm like, I wish, again, there had been something cleverer here. And if you're going to do it, to me, there's just a better way to do it. And not to mention, it happens in an alternate timeline. So does it even matter? You know what I mean? Is that even, is it even valid? I don't know. I guess to the Doctor it is. Um, and then, of course, the big cheat that the Doctor cheated reality by being in a Tesselecta robot, and that's how he survived, not dying. And, you know, that's that's fine if he's going to cheat death and not die, mm-hmm. but then then you didn't die. Yeah, right, right. So technically speaking, he's still... I guess the idea is that because we've gone through the events and everyone else <clears> believed <throat> it in that moment, then... Uh, then the moment is still more or less preserved. That's the way I saw it. That's the only way you can see it, otherwise it doesn't work. But I understand, technically speaking, he's still mutts with the timeline. In which case, in the first time we saw it, did he really die, or was that still the Tesselecta? I mean, I guess it... It, it doesn't matter. Right? <laughs> you can fudge it any way you want. All right, all right. But I mean, they're not making the rules, mm-hmm. so we but don't have to follow them. This is... This is another episode, though, like Good Men Goes to War, where it's a bit of everything in the kitchen sink. Absolutely. And to the point where it it does make you go like, well, it's kind of neat, and I guess it's supposed to feel very grand and finale-esque, but it it did feel a bit anticlimactic. Um, Yeah, the the whole... And then that's where we get to your thing you didn't like at the end with the headless monk saying, Doctor Who, which... Even I kind of went like, did, why do we have to? Because every time they do it in the old show, where there's always that little joke of what Doctor Who, you know, they always do that about once every four seasons. There's always some. Ralph pointed out they did it twice in the Impossible Astronaut. There you go. So I kind of feel like, all right, you want to do it one more time to say you do it. Okay, fine. 
but you want to keep doing it and then you want to make it a plot point like you want to make it like a kind of an arc point i'm like come on like, i mean i get the idea where we're coming up on the 50th mm-hmm. and maybe something will come of this mm-hmm. it's been 50 years of doctor who the question's been right in front of us doctor who who is this guy but how much do we want to know yeah that's that's the problem i mean that's the thing they uh, i think they encountered in the 80s when it you know by that point they were heavy on continuity and it was all about you know all that stuff about Gallifrey and, and uh, the Panopticon and all that stuff had already been there and in a way had stripped away some of the Doctor's mystique and I think that's why initially if you remember in the Cartmel years with McCoy they were trying to rather awkwardly infuse mystery back into the Doctor by having him have some weird stuff in his past you know the whole thing with Lady Pingford and the statue and the other and Gallifrey and all this stuff um, where he might have. <clears throat> He might have more to do than we know, but he won't really say. So now we're like, you're back wondering about this guy a little bit. And I'm all for that. I'm all for, yes, he, the, half of the appeal of this guy is that you know enough, but you shouldn't know everything. You know, the third Doctor, uh, Pertwee was going to do like another season, right? After season 11? I believe he was going to do another season, but I know that they were going to do a story where it was revealed that the Master was his brother. Right. Actually, it was going to be that season. If it was it going to be that season? Yeah. Okay. And... Obviously, uh, it didn't happen because uh, Mr. Delgado passed away right. in a car accident. Mm-hmm. And then they had it in, I believe it was Planet of Fire, mm-hmm. where the Master was about burning to his apparent death. Mm-hmm. And the Doctor's watching. The Master says, how can, you, how can you do this to your own... And I guess the line was, how, how can you do this to your own brother? Mm-hmm. But they cut off brother after mm-hmm. just changing their mind on it. Interesting. And then there was the hint about that even in Sound of Drums, where... Well, they squashed it, which is maybe the best thing that RTD ever did. Where, yeah, I almost thought, is RTD finally just going to come out and say it? Because I almost thought he was. It, it well, was it was set up way. for it. And then and then Martha even that says, point blank, see your brother? And he's like, no. And I'm like... Well, he says, you've been watching too much TV. Yeah. It would have been nicer if he said, no, you've been watching too much TV. But he did. It... Uh, so he's, he, I guess there's still a crack of interpretation there, but I don't. I agree. At this point, I don't want to believe they're brothers. But had they established it back then, I could I could see where they were. I could see how that would be. But but the whole uh, idea of if he's got that brother, that's something else we very strong we know about his family. Yeah. So yeah. we want to we want to keep that mystique. Yeah. No, it's it's difficult. I mean, that's why I think there's a charm to. Hartnell in those early stories where he is very mysterious and you just don't know anything about this guy. You're just like, all right, well, even you're even trying to retcon and and put all of the stuff that's come since onto him doesn't totally work because he hasn't gone through any of that. So you're like, who is this guy now when you first meet him? And he's nothing like you expect. I mean, he's a guy who was ready to clobber a caveman with a rock. Yeah. You know, and... You know, he wasn't... Uh, and kidnap Ian and Barbara. He straight up kidnaps them. He doesn't ask them to come. Well, they were snooping around where they oh, didn't belong. Right. Yeah, so... Oh, it's their fault? It is their fault. Oh, okay. All right. They literally forced their way we'll, in. We'll get to this when we get back to the Hartnell stories. Hang on. Let's uh, let's get back to what... What your song? Gosh. <laughs> I'll give it a four just because it's such a cluster mess. It, it is It is a cluster mess. Um, yeah, and... Oh, right. Yeah, it's like, and my first thought was, ah, it's at least like a six. And then the more we're talking about it, I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, right, yeah. And he, so they're getting married, and he whispers something in her ear. That's supposed to be his name. But then she says later that he didn't say his name. He said, look in my eyes. Oh, that's right. 
Let's write, look in my eyes, because then that's how she knew. Right, right, right. And, and can, so, she can see the little inner space, mm-hmm. <laughs> goofy doctor waving so, in his eye. So she, at the end, right, it, she <clears throat> reveals to Amy and Rory that that he's alive, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. Um, right. But, so then how does she know his name to tell it to him in Sounds of I don't think we're given that... Yeah, they're trying to make sense of that timeline is kind of ridiculous, and I'm, I'm yeah. and I'm fine with that having happened at some point in their relationship. Yeah, yeah, I guess I, I don't know. You're right, it's, but because I'm not a big fan of the whole River Doctor marriage thing, and you're right, it is very messy. And but it also is is set up way back in Science of the Library, where he said, or or the following, or Force of the Dead, where she whispers something to him, and he says, he says, you you know my name. And there's only one way that could happen, mm-hmm. which could happen a number of ways. I, I would think imagine. it could happen a number of ways. It's I, but really. I love how he says it in that way of, well, you must be my, like, implying you must be my wife. And then they play that whole game for like a year, maybe more, like a year, year and a half of, I mean, I'm setting aside the specials year of, uh, is she his wife? Is she not? Like, he, it was always cagey about it until finally, like, oh, yeah, she's my wife. Right, and, and I'm like, thank you, Stephen technically, Moffat. Technically, yeah. she's my wife. Yeah, thank you, Stephen Moffat, for a lot of build up to a simple answer that was pretty much in our face, which is why I was expecting. Because when you don't give the answer, mm-hmm. it creates expectations that well, this answer is going to be awesome. Whatever right. it is, yeah. this, this is going to be you a very assume, that, that's too obvious. It's not that okay. What is it? What could it be? But when everything keeps pointing to a romantic, hey Bob, hey Bob, knock knock, who's there? Kevin. <laughs> Kevin who? Kevin Kittredge, I'm here to record a podcast. <laughs> oh, no, no, knock, knock, who's there? Kevin, Kevin who? Three years later. Kevin Kittredge, I'm here to record a podcast. No, no, no. It would be like saying Kevin, and then I say Kevin who, and you have to be like, guess. I'll be like, (laughs) Kevin Kittredge, no. (laughs) Or maybe. maybe. (laughs) Ask me again in three years. So was it Kevin Kittredge? Oh, yeah. It was totally Kevin Kittredge. Here to record a podcast. (laughs) Oh, God. That was awesome. (laughs) Well done, Kev. Yeah, that uh, that that very very well done, Kevin. That is uh, that's a very good analogy of I think how the whole river <laughs> song is the doctor's wife is botched. Um, yeah, so that's yet another reason why I don't care for the 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 river song story arc. I loved how she was introduced. I I'm all for how she was in silence. I don't or silence in the library. Sorry, uh, but as she ended up, I just I got a little, I got my fill of river. I was kind of done. Um, so you're right. I think I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go four. I'm gonna go four in wedding as well. I just it's it, it just ends up being it's it's the ultimate in anticlimactic endings. Yeah. To a season, and then you add that stupid Doctor Who thing at the end, and it's just like oh jeez, oh, man. So basically, you know, um, my whole thing about this season is when you really add it up, it, it it's just it's complete barmy nonsense. It's like why would your plan to kill someone be to take a baby? From a couple knowing it will be Time Lord-ish and try to weaponize it, basically brainwash. Well, okay. Well, it makes somewhat sense if you get if you know someone's gonna be the the doctor's wife. 
Okay. Some of that he did they, will so trust. They knew this. Oh, I can't possibly say that they knew this. <laughs> <laughs> so, so wait, but because I think if they knew that, they wouldn't even bother. Why would they even bother to use her? Because guess what? She reversed her own killing of the doctor in the episode where she killed the doctor. Listen, here's the thing: if I'm the silence, and I know all of this information about the doctor, yeah. Um. Uh, you presumably you know many places that the doctor is going to be during okay, the time. Okay. I would hide behind a bush and shoot him. <laughs> and then when he's like trying to regenerate, I would shoot him some more. <laughs> um, and then this, he's dead. So wait, this does lead to a side question here, and that is, uh, have you noticed that? Okay, he's about to regenerate, and then she just shoots him again. So then he's dead. This, he's dead for good. And I always thought there's a bit of a weird rule about this where. Notice there's a lot of Doctor Who stories where he's in peril and, you know, you're supposed to believe, oh, my God, the Doctor's in peril. He's, he's got a gun to his head. The Master's going to torture him. Uh, Zygon's about to whatever, you know, suck his brains out. Okay, something. And we're always supposed to believe that he could die right here. And he's not just going to regenerate. He's going to die right here. And we got we to gotta deal for this. So I've always had to wonder at what point are any of these methods actually going to kill him for good? Or which ones would just cause him to regenerate, which, you know, I'm sure he doesn't want necessarily that to happen either. But, you know what I'm saying? Like, the level of peril involved to, to kill the doctor flat, like, no regenerations, you're dead. Well, I mean, I th I th I'm glad that they don't, I mean, how, seriously, how much would it get old throughout the 50 years if the <laughs> if every time someone was about to kill the doctor, yeah. he had to say, oh, no. And I totally wouldn't regenerate because of this, this, and this. I'd get, I'd get really old. It would get old. It would get equally old if he was happy to jump into death knowing that, well, I'll just regenerate. I'll be back. You're right. You just have to go that some some of these... Either A, he doesn't want to regenerate, and B, some of these probably would kill him. You don't know. Um, but And and he totally doesn't want to regenerate. He's, no. he's not going to want to waste a life. No, that's true. It's still, that's true. It's still I, a life. But I, I did think it was interesting that just shooting him again didn't just cause... You know what I mean? Like uh, they did this in an audio actually, where they kill the doctor. It's an it's an unbound, and uh, he dies, regenerates, and then the person is so sadistic. Going, oh right, I forgot he could do this. All right, <laughs> hang on, give me a whole new chamber. I'm gonna have to go through six of these. Nice. Finish him off. That's great. And I thought that was funny because I'm like, there we go. And so he regenerates. Like, huh? What's going on? It's like, ah, damn it. And then you hear another gunshot in the desk. <laughs> Just like. But I think to your point, I I think it totally makes sense. Where if the doctor sh is mortally wounded while trying to re regenerate and, and and repair his body, that it's it stops him. I'm I'm totally on board with that. Okay. No, it's not. I mean, it, look, with all the other things in the season, that's something I can easily accept. It's not like oh my god, the I I'm, the poison bothers me more. This whole thing with River bothers me more because you. you <sighs> What is it? They have the baby. They take her back to the 60s. They put her in an astronaut suit in the 60s, but she can still call for help in the suit. And then she gets away, regenerates. They lose track of her, I guess. because. But I guess the programming took enough effect that as she became Mel's, she was just waiting for the doctor to show up. He does. Listen. Finally, she almost kills him, but doesn't. But then they've got her again later to stick her back in the astronaut suit in the lake with a suit that they don't even explain please, how please it works. Please stop. Please stop. Please that can stop. zap him. And it can take control of her. I said, I said, please. This is why I hate this overall arc. It just but doesn't I, make sense. Listen, I don't have a problem with River's story. Mm -hmm. I have a problem with how it's told. 
That's the problem. Oh, it's just told. It, it it's just told well, badly. That look, I'm summing up this story, and you're telling me this is totally fine. It's just it was how it was told. Well, okay. The the grand idea of the thing. I don't okay. have a problem with with a him falling in love with her and vice versa. Okay. I don't have a problem with her. Well, I don't have a huge problem with her being <laughs> uh, trained as a kid to kill him. Okay. And those are the main points of the arc. But you do have a problem with her being a Time Lord-esque person who was born in the TARDIS? Yes, I have I have a problem with that. Mm-hmm. It is a large problem. <laughs> yeah. Um, in the astronaut suit? Uh, that's just confusing as shit. I don't yeah, know why. That's I don't, what I'm I don't, saying. It's like... That's, well, I just needed you to stop because there's so many... You're right. It's all over the place. It's all over the place. It feels like it was, again, it was spitballed in a room. And, oh, that'd be a great image. An astronaut. And, oh, yeah. And, oh, how does it work? Ah, we'll worry about that in episode 13. Whoever said that should just make music videos. <laughs> there you go. There's a lot of things like that. Oh, and the little girl escapes. Oh, but it'll be a question that will be on their minds. It's like, well, what's your answer? I'll explain later. Yes, I'll explain later. Thank you, Stephen Moffat. So to wrap this up, uh, Doctor Widow in the Wardrobe, the Christmas special from 2011. Uh, extremely disappointed in Doctor Widow in the Wardrobe. I thought it was boring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think I have much more to say about it. Kids, always with the kids. Um, we we have a uh, we we have a, a Christmas special which is more fanciful than usual, very uh, uh, Lion Witch in the Wardrobe, uh, yeah, and wooden tree people and Christmas ornament things and uh, I did like the shout out to Androzani Major with the uh, the miners on the planet, right, That's right, cool. So a little point for that. Um, boy, yeah, you're right. Uh, and uh, the ridiculousness of uh, Doctor's on a spaceship explodes and he's falling through space. But he's in an impact suit. I'm 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 fine with that. They did well, they explain that. I'm fine with him suit. being in the suit and surviving. What I'd have a problem with is he's floating through space. Oh. Putting the suit on while he's falling. Yeah, that's silly. That that's up there with Peter Davison throwing the cricket ball in uh, Fort of Doomsday and being okay in space, which right. is a helmet. That's kind of, you know, okay, he's the doctor. Maybe he, I want to believe, okay, he's a time lord. Maybe he can survive the vacuum of space for a couple of minutes. Maybe. Or not. I don't know. There's not a whole lot for me to say about this one. I think I'm just going to give it a three just because I had somebody else. I had a a non-Hoovian watch it because it was like Christmas. Yeah. And I was just, it was like, Doctor Who's really better than that, I promise. (laughs) Sometimes. Most of the time, yeah. It um, and then the whole thing at the end where magically the uh, the the woman knows how to pilot the the mining ship piece and using again it was a uh, it was her maternal instinct or her maternal love. Is that what it was? Yeah, something like that. And she takes the top of that lighthouse and they go through the vortex and the the light of this thing is what guides her husband who got lost and died in the plane home so that now in this version of history the husband has survived and basically love conquers all and it was definitely yet another of these love conquers all very saccharine kind of things but at least in terms of love conquering all it was a little bit more it wasn't quite as abstracty as as the other ones were but still it felt like a repeat of the same theme and you had the doctor playing almost kind of a father christmas role where he's done up this house as the caretaker and all the kids have these crazy amazing Rooms and what was it? The uh, the tap only puts out lemonade, right? You know things like that. It was. It felt very like 
I guess we're just really embraced. It, it's a Christmas special, so part of me is like, I guess we're supposed to just go with these now as Christmas specials because it's Christmas. Um, but I agree. It was. I, I don't know many people that really liked this one. It was very. Uh, it, it was very just kind of disappointing. Some nice visuals, but almost feels too fantasy as opposed to science fiction. And when it goes to fantasy, I start to check out. Yeah. And uh, I agree. And the the wood. Yeah, those wood people are kind of. Eh. You know what? I remember falling asleep watching it, and I think it took me like two more viewings to really for the first time. Yeah. Wow, that's yeah. saying a lot. I think I was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. All right, I'm gonna go three. I'm going three on it. And yeah, I just didn't care for it that much. It was just kind of. It was another one that was kind of there, but I'd watch closing time over this one. So. Same here. Yeah. Boy, so basically, it's a, bu- it's a bummer way to end it. It is a bummer way to end it. Uh, well, I, I, I assure you, the, the series five discussion will end much more strongly. Um, I think series five is still my favorite Matt Smith season overall. But I mean, that said, Doctor's Wife and Girl Who Waited are excellent and are, are I think, we're are well worth viewing. Yeah. And there's some other strong ones in there too. It's not like it's not like the whole season's bad. It's just I just wish the arc had been better thought through. Uh, Kevin and I are going to randomly do other seasons of Doctor Who going backwards. Uh, but when we get to the marathon, it'll be very interesting to see how we all look and react again to all of these Matt Smith episodes, especially seeing them together and seeing if any of this arc stuff makes more sense. And maybe maybe I'll be eating some of these words. Maybe I'll be like, oh my God, I totally missed that. No, it totally makes sense. So <laughs> I find that unlikely, but you know, I maybe we'll have to watch time of the doctor before we start watching these. Cause that's when a lot of the answers are given. Yeah. And then yeah. see how that relates. Yeah. 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 No, you're right. <clears throat> and speaking of uh, a day of the doctor, time of the doctor, we have decided those two specials we will cover when we do Capaldi, when Capaldi starts, we'll, we'll talk about those. That's right. I, I remember us talking about Day of the Doctor, but that was actually on our podcast. That was on all, yeah, if you want to hear us talk about Day of the Doctor, go to Kevin's podcast. We <laughs> talked about it when it was live and fresh. But we'll do it again. But we'll do it again with, with Time of the Doctor uh, later. But seeing as we're wrapping up, I will just remind, uh, All Right, Let's Do a Podcast is on Facebook. It's on iTunes, so find us there, please. Thank you for having me, Bob. It was very fun. Yes, thank you for being on. It was always fun talking Doctor Who with you, Kev. And as we said before, despite our, our issues with these, it's done out of love, people. We are big Doctor Who fans. We, we just have very high standards. And we're excited for the future. We are very excited for the future. Peter Capaldi, the future looks bright. So with that, uh, we'll be back with our regularly scheduled Costume Shop Talk next time here on Costume Station Zero. 